from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. Hey, do you work in a toxic workplace, or maybe you're not getting the promotions you want, or your last performance review wasn't as good as it could have been, and you're not really sure why? Well, today we're welcoming Rex Connor. He's the lead partner and owner of corporate training consulting company, Mager Consortium, and the author of the book, What If Common Sense was common practice in business. Rex, welcome to the show. Thank you, and I am thrilled to be here with y'all. So um, tell us what prompted you to write this book, Rex. Well, I've been in a lot of companies, um, as you probably have, and I've been a consultant for, for many years now because I'm old, and so I've been in more than 50 companies, and we all see the same things. We all see situations where we say, why are they doing that, or why are we doing this? This just violates common sense. And there are ways to address these basic common sense violations without trying to change the whole culture of a company or without trying to spend a lot of money. And it's just frustrating to me. So no one else was talking about it. I had to write a book because no one else was talking about the very foundational problems that we cause ourselves in the workplace. So common sense, that's one of those things that, you know, we don't take a class on. (laughs) It's nobody, you know, (laughs) nobody teaches us what this is. Um, So how do you operationally define common sense, Rex? Well, everyone's going to have their own particular uh, twist on it, as we do with everything. But, you know, we all know in a situation when the... um, when the boss gives us fuzzy direction, for example, the boss says, I want you all to be more, more team players. We all know that that's just open to interpretation and we'll never get it right unless we get clear guidance. That's a common experience amongst all of us. So we take buzzwords. We take buzzwords like team player or even, I mean, even leader. Like I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning about how do you define what a leader is. I mean, and, exactly. and and we think we know because we, we can maybe point out a couple of people who we say, oh, this person's a good leader, but, but we don't operationalize these. So when you're getting your performance review or you're getting hired and the job description says, oh, we want somebody who's a team player or a true leader or, you know, those types of things, we, they don't really understand what they're looking for. But it's kind of those, I know it when I see it. You know what, Don, you got to the bottom line very quickly. I appreciate that. (laughs) Most of the violations of common sense in the workplace are because we're using subjective language, language that leaves things open to interpretation. I also call it fuzzy language. But that's, that's the biggest violation of common sense is using fuzzy terminology, fuzzy directives, using subjectivity in the workplace. So, Rex, I got to ask you a question, though. I'm wondering, because I agree with you, fuzzy language. I am wondering if people are purposely using fuzzy language so that they get to interpret it the way they want to when the time comes. That's a good point. And the answer is yes, sometimes. 
I'd say, but only about 17% of the time. I made up that statistic. <laughs> That's good. That's good. percent of our, our fact checkers are, are typing it in right now. Now they can stop. Oh. Right. <laughs> no fake news on career talk. <laughs> But that's true. Some people do that. And I've worked for bosses. We probably all have worked for bosses that like to do that so they can come back later and and lower the boom, so to speak. But that's that's the minority of times. A lot of the subjectivity is there in the workplace just because we haven't paid attention to that. No one's talking about how much conflict that causes and how much low productivity it causes. Mm -hmm. We just accept it as commonplace. Yeah, we have accepted it. I mean, we see, I, I actually um, pulled something, which I'll kind of keep referring back to during the show, because I thought it was pretty fun. Um, it was the most popular corporate jargon by state in job listings. So, um, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is very interesting. So maybe uh, as people call in, we'll have to look at their state, although the, the states on the side are pretty, pretty small and hard to read. But um, so, okay, where, where are you from, Rex? I live currently in southern Utah. Southern Utah. So let's see. The most common jargon we've got there in job descriptions is learnings. Learnings. Is, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Learnings. Exactly. So, so you're, you're absolutely spot on. It's in the job ads. We, we, um, we need you to know learnings. I don't know. I don't even know how that would be. And hey, we're going to go to, to Shana in New York. Shana, welcome to Career Dog. What's on your mind today? Well, when you move to a new location like I have to start um, a PhD program, and you, you know, you're deciding, okay, I want to expand my skills. I will take a remote position with this new startup. Mm -hmm. However, they want to Skype with you at all hours of the day, of course, because people are working across the United States, and you're more or less presentable because of your school schedule. Um, so I've found difficulty in presenting myself and trying to figure out where to find um, a good, uh, uh, you know, middle ground. Sometimes I don't even uh, video call in. I'll phone in, for okay. example, just because I'm comfortable with all of that visibility. So you're on the East Coast. Your employer's on the West Coast. They want to Skype and, and do video calls so that, you know, you, you're more connected. But when you're saying you're not presentable because you're, you're going to classes, you mean you're not, you're not dressed in, in business clothing? You're, is that what you're talking about, Shana? Yes. Or so, for example, I am outside of class and I am trying out a new hairstyle and they there's an emergency video call and you're like, OK, this wasn't planned, but here I am. It's still during normal work hours, but it wasn't planned because this wasn't the day you uh, select to work with that remote uh, you know, organization. So, yeah, Got more it. or less presentable. I'm not in business attire. Right. Okay. So I think there's a couple issues here that I understand, Shana. I think one, um, working for a company in a different geography. I mean, I think it sounds like, and, and Rex, this is kind of what you're talking about being objective, is defining what the business hours are. So maybe for you, your business hours are, are 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. because of the, the West Coast time. Or maybe not. Maybe your hours are 8 p.m. to 5 p.m. But I do think there has to be some agreement on when these video calls can take place. Um, secondly, I mean, I, I think emergency calls are, are pretty typical in companies. But I mean, do you have to take them via video? It sounds like you've already 
taken that step to say, okay, I can't be on a video call right now because maybe you're you're in a hallway outside of class and it's just it's not professional, not because of you, but because of the environment that you're in right now. And if you have clients on the call, they don't really need to see students kind of milling about. Um, and so I think it's just about making that agreement with your manager that between these times, I understand that I might need to be on video calls and I'll be prepared for that. And if you have school during the day, I mean, maybe you say, you know, on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays between one and three, um, my time, those are times that I can't do because I'm committed to school and getting that agreement up front. And I know that sometimes that doesn't work with clients. Sometimes that, that you know doesn't work with, with your boss. But I do think getting those guidelines in place and then saying, here's when I can be available is going to be helpful. Rex, what do you think? I agree with you. And there, we, we've all been in that situation. I think there are very few, in my experience, people in the professional world that are going to hold it against you if you say, Hey, I'm not presentable right now. You've got my voice, but not my face on the call. You know, I'll participate. I think uh, most of us understand that because we've all been there. Yep. And of course, uh, Shana, they hired you for your skill set, and you know the fact, (laughs) (laughs) and that's the important thing to remember. So, so it's your it's your mind and your ideas and your feedback that they're looking for. Um, You know, the the other option I'm trying to think of a quick fix is you know um, get a uh, baseball cap with the company logo, and every time they call you outside of hours, you just put it on, (laughs) and you're like, yeah, go team. I mean, obviously that's (laughs) that's probably not going to be the best strategy, but I I. Do, I don't I, know. I like it. You like it? Yeah. <laughs> I actually do like that. I do like that. <laughs> All right. Well, then that's that's the next step. You get that cool. hat, and they call you at you know 10 p.m. on a on a Tuesday, and they're getting the hat, and that's what they get. Mm-hmm. Shana, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Definitely tweet us a picture when you get that hat. We want to see it at Dr. Don Graham. Hey, this is Open Call Thursday. We are taking your calls all hour. At 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Rex Connor, who is the author of What If Common Sense Was Common Practice in Business? And just because... um, so Shana called in from New York. So this in the job description, we're talking about the most distinctive jargon in U.S. job listings by state. So in New York, Rex, it's herd cats. So... In the job description, you need to be able to herd cats. Now, Mm -hmm. that's open for interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose you can, you you know, argue that one. Um, But yeah, what is going on here in job descriptions? Because I think one of the things we talk about a lot on Career Talk is, is that... People call in and they're like, well, I don't I don't know if I fit every qualification of this job description. So as a reminder, I'm going to say that one, nobody does. Job descriptions are ideal. And most often people are not going to fit every single category in the job description. Usually the ones higher on the list are the ones that are the most important, but not everybody's going to have them because companies rarely rewrite them. They can be old. They can be outdated. And in your um, book, Rex, you talk about, and they're very subjective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm trying to get those companies to change the way they do it. You know, that's for us, for when we are looking for jobs, that is just something we have to go with their description. The people that need to be clear for their own benefit, as well as the people looking for jobs, are the people that are putting out the job posting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't benefit anyone 
to use fuzzy terms to say you need to be a good team player. Yeah, and I found an interesting stat on this, and this is kind of one of those gender differences that that you know blows my mind sometimes. But it's it's interesting that if applying for a job, um, men will apply 100 percent of the time, regardless of if they have the you know all of the qualifications. But but women um, will make sure that if if they hit 60 percent uh, or they don't hit 60 percent, I'm saying this. Very poorly. <laughs> let me let me rephrase this. Um, women will not apply unless they hit 100%. Men will apply if they hit 60% of the qualifications in the job ad. So that's a pretty big difference. It's a big difference, and it's tragic for everyone, including the company that's looking for a qualified person. Why not focus on the skills that are required of you to have to apply for the job and be very specific on those so so the job applicants can screen themselves and the people that are hiring for the company can better do the screening. Well, and I think there's there's two parts to that. One is that maybe um, you know, I'm trying to sell the job. Maybe it's not the best job in the world, or maybe it's not the the best paid job in the world, or maybe it's not the most interesting job in the world. And so I think a lot of companies try and oversell the role in the job description, which which leads to inaccuracies. Well, Don, I correlate that to my experience. I'm old, but I was single for seven years, so I'm going to correlate it to my online dating experience, ah, we... <laughs> where a lot of men especially mm-hmm. are known to um, oversell because they don't think it's the best job in the world <laughs> to be uh, you know, your partner. And, uh, but what, and you know, I think my stat applies to online dating too. Maybe that you know, uh, <laughs> men men <laughs> men go with sixty percent, and women wait for a hundred percent. I don't know. Exactly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any data for that. That that might be an alternative fact, but I I wonder if that's true. But what benefit is there for me being the guy to lie about myself to post a picture that's ten years old when I had hair and was fifty pounds lighter? Because when the person comes for the interview, so to speak, I'm I'm hosed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm exposed. Why not? You know, the company's trying to oversell a job. Why are they trying to oversell it? Tell it like it is. Say, you you need to have these skills for this job. And let's just get down to clear communication so we can both screen and see if we match the job. All right, well, let's play it out. Let's play out um, your online dating because because there's a part of you, Rex, that thinks, yeah, I'm, I'm hosed a little bit, but I have a great personality. I'm very accomplished. I'm successful. So I, I'm going to overcome all of those things once I get there. Mm-hmm. And when it's a vague job description, you might. Mm-hmm. The point is the vague job description tells you that they aren't clear on what they're looking for. And so what you said, Don, is perfectly valid. Yeah, I might get there and they might just like me and hire me because they like me. That's valid. And likability is key. I mean, I was just mm-hmm. doing a lot of research on likability. I mean, likability is up there with, I mean, there's a ton of statistics that venture capitalists invest in entrepreneurs who are likable over ones who are passionate. Um, people hire people who are likable 
over people who kind of put their all of their skills on the table and, and you know, talk about how great they are. Uh, Amy Cuddy has done research on this about how people who are likable and she defined, well, she calls it trustworthiness defined by warmth and likability, that that's more important than competence when you're meeting somebody new. They need to know that they like you and you have that trustworthiness uh, personality before they care what you know. And it's one of my favorite quotes that that people um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so I think we underestimate this likability factor in the job search. And, you know, quite frankly, in promotions and in the performance review, which is why sometimes I wonder if hiring managers or, um, you know, leaders and companies like that this language is vague and they talk about team player and leadership so that they can you know, that they can hire or rate people who have that likability factor. Yes, but companies have that have that factor only have it because they don't have a better measurement system. And if you focus on skills and come up with a better way to measure, regardless of whether you like the person or not, then your productivity in the workplace will be better. Your business will be better. Now, having said that, I need to make a caveat there. Okay. You can be just as clear about soft skills as you can hard skills. Tell us so I'm more. I'm not saying someone that achieves a goal the wrong way, you know, they step over people, that you can't include that. You can include how you treat people, and you can clarify it and make it objective instead of subjective. Okay. So... Um this is true. I think we can put more concrete definitions in place. And hey, if this is resonating with you, we want to hear from you, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Rex Connor, who is the lead partner and owner of the corporate training consulting company, Mager Consortium. And we are talking about all types of things in the workplace and how to make it more objective so that you get the job you want, you get the promotion you want, you get the, the raise that you want. So, okay, we're talking about how, okay, let's just say, Rex, that I am getting rated on being a team player and there aren't objective measures in place. How do I, how do I ask my manager to put those in place? Well, I happen to have personal experience in this, but turned out uh, sometimes well for me and sometimes not so well because I've had the boss that didn't want to do that and they wouldn't do it. But What was their reasoning, though, Rex? I'm curious. Well, it's just what you said, Don. They wanted, they didn't say it like this, but they wanted to have the ability to come back and say, no, I, I don't like you. I want to get rid of you. They didn't want to measure me on my skills and accomplishments because they didn't like me. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to have the power to put in who they liked, which didn't speak well for the productivity of that department, you know, in the long run. But it, it satisfied that one, that one boss. So if your boss has that motive, then, you know, they aren't going to accept objectifying a process. Mm -hmm. So let's, Let's not talk about them because <laughs> that's, that's a reality. But bosses that really do con are concerned about productivity and are concerned about being fair and evaluating fairly, you can say, okay, boss, look, this is my job description. It's very unclear. Let's clarify some of this. For you have the requirement in the job description to be a team player. When you observe me, 
being a team player, what are you observing me do? Okay. And let so, the boss gives you give you a observable performances, and you keep asking that question until the entire phrase team player is defined by observable performances. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I see you pitching in to help your colleague. That's right. And you're showing up to team meetings on time. You aren't rolling your eyes when your team members, team uh, teammates speak. You are accepting, you're volunteering for assignments. So this is this is something that you, you want to do actually in your first 90 days then. Because if you apply to a job description, I'm just going to read a couple more of these <laughs> very interesting um, phrases and jargon that appear on job listings across the, the United States. Um, goes the extra mile. Now... Mm-hmm. Again, vague, but can be put into objective uh, measurements. Um, magic right. happens. You need to be where the magic happens. <laughs> so some of these are so subjective. Change driver. I love that one because we love to say change driver drives change. Um, mm-hmm. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, let's see. You know, uh, you need to be an overachiever. That's in Nebraska. Um you need to bring it to the table in Mississippi. Um, wow. <laughs> through the roof in Washington State and shift the paradigm in Washington, D.C. Blaze the trail in Wisconsin. So push the envelope in Rhode Island. They're, uh, they're, these are all over the place. These are not mm-hmm. concrete win-win outcomes. Um, exhibits good judgment. These are all incredibly subjective and these are the things that we get hired on and then later rated on so on on today's show we're talking all about how you can make these concrete and objective so that you get rated fairly not only that so you know what you need to do to get promoted get the raise get to the next level get the best projects in your company but right now we're going to go to the pre-break quiz so hold that thought And um, we'll be right back in the second half talking more about that. So here's today's pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Yep, there's always a quiz. And today, this is it. One in four people say they have done this to try to get a promotion. Men more likely than women. One in four people say they have done this to try to get a promotion. Men are more likely to do it than women. If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Rex Connor, who was the author of the book, What If Common Sense Was Common Practice in Business? So we are talking all about um, how to make 
things more objective in the workplace so that you get promoted. You know what you need to do to get the raise. You know what you need to do to get hired. Um, Because, Rex, truly, if these things are not in place, this is what leads to what we call toxic workplaces because there's favoritism. People are getting promoted for reasons other than concrete results. And, you know, there become clicks and gossip and all these other types of things that are just no fun in the workplace. You nailed it. And, you know, one of the biggest uh, reasons that company lose good people, in fact, the biggest reason people leave their job is their relationship with their boss. The, the phrase comes from a book written a few years ago called First Break All the Rules, in which they did extensive research. But one of the phrases from that book is, People join companies, but then they leave their boss. Mm-hmm. Yep, I and believe you, that. I believe it. Too. If you get to the root of that, if you look at the root, and you can do it in your own experience, any conflicts you've had with your boss or anyone else, it's probably go to the root, and it's more than likely that the root is there is a process left open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. how to be evaluated, how to get paid, how to get pay raises, how to qualify for a promotion. Yeah. Of course, I call it the root of all evil in the workplace. But isn't this bigger, Rex? I mean, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see talking with your boss about, tell me what you mean by team player. But, I mean, th- this goes up all the way through the ranks into HR. And so um, I think some some leaders just don't feel like they can change it or they feel like they don't have the power to do it. And I think we need to, to cut through that because they do. Yeah, the leaders do. Any pro- any process that someone owns everyone owns or every process in the workplace you know a process the steps of how we get things done is owned by someone in the workplace so someone has the ability to change that process and maybe you only change a few maybe your span of of, uh, process control is small but you can change the process owner can change a process Mm -hmm. so we were talking all about these ambiguous phrases that show up in job descriptions um you know we talked about uh, achieve alignment for example that's in idaho there's this this map of all the most distinctive jargon across the u.s um possess strength in kentucky um, corporate alignment in Maryland. And so, hey, if you're just tuning in, what is the most ambiguous thing you've seen in a job description of a job that you've applied for? 844 Wharton, that's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are here taking your calls all hour long on Career Talk. Michelle is manning the phones, 844 Wharton, that's 844-942-7866. What's the most ambiguous line or qualification you've seen on a job description. So, okay, I've applied for the job. It has all of these, you know, change driver, make magic happen, achieve alignment. Um, Rex, what do I say in an interview that is not off-putting to help me understand what these things mean and what the expectations are going to be of me as an employee? You know, a real simple line to use is, how will I be evaluated on my job? And so let's just play this out. So they say, well, you'll achieve alignment, um, you will synergize, and you will be a change driver. Rex, that's what we want from you. (laughs) Well, good. I'm looking forward to that. Now, when you're observing me be a change driver, what are you observing me do? Mm Mm-hmm. So getting them... And I want a list, again, of observable performances for each of those those items. Mm Mm-hmm. So really kind of 
pushing them to make it actionable. So so even going so far as to say, can you give me an example? And I think that's that's a fair question. You know, can you give me an example of somebody in your organization who's a successful change driver and what have they done? Very fair question. Mm-hmm. So getting to the specifics, because this is when you're applying for a job, I mean, it is it is a two way conversation. You need to know what you're going to be evaluated on, what your raises are going to be based on, what your promotions are going to be based on. Uh, Because this is a big risk for you as an employee. This is where you're going to be spending 40, 50, 60 hours a day. So let's get into some of the things that, you know, when you are applying for a job that might be less noticeable. So how can you tell, Rex, if there's favoritism going on? Or, you know, we talked about that, that sometimes companies keep these factors very vague because they like to be subjective and they like to have that flexibility. Is there any way you can find that out while you're applying so you don't kind of jump into the hornet's nest? Well, I think you just identified it. And in your interactions during the hiring process, if you're asking those questions, how am I going to be evaluated? What uh, What are you observing when, when you observe me um, being a strong communicator or whatever the fuzzy is, if they give you fuzzy answers to those fuzzies, you know that you're going to be evaluated subjectively. Mm-hmm. In other words, someone's just going to decide if they like you or not. So does that so mean you, sh- that. you shouldn't take the job? I mean, wh- what do you do? Oh, heck no. You may be starving and need the job. But <laughs> <laughs> reality. Reality kicks in. Yeah. But the point is you're, you're finding out about the company as they are describing it. And if they can't be more clear, you know going in it's going to be subjective. So you're, you're signing up for subjectivity, and you're going to go in and try to make it as, as objective as you can. But until you're that supervisor, you don't have the ability. You're going to do the best you can. Mm-hmm. Now, if they come back and can give you specifics, boy, that means that they've thought this through. They are going to be objective. I think and it's also indicator for you. yeah very fair to meet with with other people on the team. I think it's 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 fair to ask them questions. You know what surprised you about working here? You know what just to get to know what you're getting into because not that that employees will necessarily tell you all the the dirty little secrets that are going on, but I think most perceptive people can read between the lines and see if something is is not right there. So, hey, if you're just tuning in, we're at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, what's the most ambiguous thing you've seen in your job description or your performance evaluation? We'd like to know. Hey, you can give us a call all hour if it's noon Eastern time. Um, But we are going to go ahead and answer our pre-break quiz. Uh, Okay. So one in four people say they have done this to try to get a promotion. Men more likely than women. Remember, we are a PG-13 show. So, Dion, you know I'm coming to you first. That gets rid of my first answer. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it might. (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, buying gifts. Buying gifts? Yes. For who? The the hire the uh, supervisor. Have you done this? No. <laughs> also, I haven't been promoted. So, well, that wasn't the answer. That. So it was nothing to do with you not buying gifts. So you're you're good. That was not the reason, um, Michelle. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, my second guess because you took away my first guess too. Um, do we have the same first guess? Yes, oh except boy. I was going to say flirting, which is still PG. But my yeah, mine wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I have to find out what Dion's first answer was after the show. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they're going to be willing to throw a colleague under the bus. Oh, Ooh. that's Dang. my guess. Dang. And <laughs> that's my guess. What do we think? Wow. I think look out, Dion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I haven't been promoted. Yeah. <laughs> There's a better answer. Wow. Hey, men more likely than women. I'm I'm I'm, I'm nice. You are nice. What do we think? Is that right or no? That is, that is, it is so far away from oh. that answer that when you hear it, you'll be like, wow, that's the first place you went. Competition. We're, we're learning a, a, a lot about Michelle today. I know. Remember, remember a few weeks ago when she said the smiley emoji would be like the one that would be her? She's, she's got this secret. The this, devil horns underneath. Yeah. Yeah. That we didn't know about. That's awesome. Hey, Rex, do you think you know? Um, you know, my mind went straight to that scene from uh, an old movie, uh, Pretty Woman, where the store manager wasn't getting promoted, but the idea is the same. The store manager said, how are things going? And, and uh, the billionaire said, I think we need some major sucking up here. Mm, so, and so sucking up. Sucking up to the boss, I think, uh, you know, in the many forms that that could be. Yeah, so um, it it could be. I think I think you're you're very close, but we're looking for something very specific. And one in four people say they've done this um, to get a promotion. Men more than women, and this is why it surprises me. Bringing in baked goods for the boss, <laughs> just so really? far. Wow, from throwing people <laughs> wow. under the bus. <laughs> like wow. b- before, you try throwing people under the bus. Maybe try some chocolate chip muffins. Then, you know, then throw them under the bus. I but, really thought I had it. I really thought that was the one. That might work, too. That might work, too. But um, <laughs> bring in baked goods for the boss. So, um, but, but there is something we that we've talked about is, um, Rex, you probably heard this, too. You're having a candy dish on your desk actually makes you likable. And Jessica Hernandez, uh, who wrote an article, How to Be the Type of Employee Your Boss Wants to Promote, said, and this is hard to believe, 90% of people who keep a candy bowl on their desk for people who visit their office are promoted. Now that, I mean, that just blew my mind. I mean, obviously, yes, people stop by, people talk, but everyone likes candy, makes sense. Not everybody has a desk, so that's a challenge. But yeah, I think 90%, That's that seems high to me. What do you think? Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go get a candy Well. Mine would always be empty, so that wouldn't work for me. Yeah. See, the and trick... The don't leave your candy bowls empty, I guess. Yeah, the, it, that's true. She did not say a full candy dish, but I'm going to imply that that's probably what she meant. The trick is, Rex, to bring in candy you don't like so that you don't eat it all. But I will say, if you don't have a desk and you don't you don't have a place for a candy dish, maybe try the baked goods thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe. If that doesn't work, throw them under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. (laughs) So many options for all types of personalities. Hey, you're just tuning in. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here with the Dream Team, Michelle and Dion, taking your calls all hour at 844-942-7866. And we are also here with special guest, Rex Connor. And we are talking all about 
how to make subjective objective on your performance evaluations, job descriptions, so that you can know specifically what types of behaviors are going to get you promoted. And we're talking about how not doing this tends to lead to toxic workplaces. So so there are a couple of situations, Rex, that I wanted to talk about. And I think this is where the, the lack of objectivity leads to some of these types of situations. So what about you're in a workplace, you get the job, and your boss or your colleague is constantly taking credit for your work? <laughs> that's tough. Um, and I, I think that's not completely uncommon. Goes to See, in my mind, everything goes back to a process. It's a process to determine how you are... Um, Promote, not promoted is not the right word, how you're recognized for your work. Mm -hmm. There's a process behind that, and you want to know, okay, what is the process for recognizing someone for these results? And if it's subjective, as the boss says, well, I, I put it in the newsletter and, you know, write what I want, or the boss probably wouldn't say that, but if that's what happens, then you know you need to clarify that process and say, hey, how can I get credit for, for what I do? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, put it you know, on the ask table. The question. It's ask. a fair question. Ask. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do, especially when they're not getting what they want. I mean, human nature, we gossip, we we, you know, maybe people badmouth the boss behind their back, but nothing changes and nothing is going to change unless you address it with the boss. But I think a lot of people are afraid to do that because they're afraid of the backlash, Rex. Mm-hmm. So and that's fair. You know, I had a person that worked for me said, hey, I just finished my degree, which, by the way, wasn't required for the job, but I finished my degree. I think I deserve a raise. And I said, well, you know, your your pay just depends on your accomplishments, not mm -hmm. on, on your accomplishments on the job mm -hmm. and how that affects our combined income. Yep. It's and and she was looking for she's still looking for clarity, which I applaud. But she was frustrated because something in her mind, getting a degree, should mean she gets more pay. And I agree that's true in some worlds, but not in the one we were in. We were in a very performance-driven world. Mm -hmm. And But at least I applauded her because she asked the question, she made it clear what she wanted, and she chose to leave because she didn't get it. And oh, I didn't, interesting. I didn't fault her for that. But... but uh, I didn't change the objective rules we had for pay raises. <laughs> to your point, though, had she said, you know, I'm I'm going for this degree and here are my expectations, and then you could have set out your expectations, well, you know, then at the end of that, you guys would have been on the same page. That's a good point. Yeah, we didn't clarify it ahead of time. I mean, it was subjective. Maybe you didn't need a graduate degree for the work that you were doing. Um, exactly. And so that, that, that little point which could have been a very brief conversation, was overlooked. And unfortunately, she ended up leaving. And, you know, I mean, maybe maybe all is well that ends well, but it was something that could have been clarified. So step one, first 90 days, get that on the table. Be specific about what does team player mean? What does change driver mean? What are these behaviors that are going to be observed? Now, let's say you've been in your job a while and you have never done that. Um, is it too late? It's never too late, especially never when a new late. boss comes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's never but too my, late. One of the problems I've referred to before, things not working out well for me, I was doing exceptional in my job, making the company millions of dollars, literally. And a new boss came in that um, 
for whatever reason, didn't like me. I know it's hard to believe. Hard to but, believe, uh, Didn't like me and decided, oh, I'm going to create an environment to try and get rid of him. And he used he used the subjectivity. He said, and I, I say team player because that's what he said. And I said, well, um, team player. He said, yeah, it's in your job description. I said, well, didn't I create the team, train the team, <laughs> and implement this? But he had. But that's not what we meant, Rex. It. That's not what we meant. You did it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> He said, no, that doesn't meet my definition of team player. So we've all been in situations in, in organizations where, I mean, nothing's perfect. So there, there's all these politics going on. You know, there's the colleague who sits back and, you, you know, takes the credit with you when you did all the work. Or, you know, maybe you rightfully earned a promotion. All other people are, are really jealous and, you know, start alienating you. Or maybe, um, you know, there's there's a click that, that you just can't seem to get in. And uh, your boss says no and then, then turns whatever your idea was into an idea and takes the credit. So all these things are going on. And I think one of the important things, regardless if you hate office politics, is to figure them out early. Um, and if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, like you said, it's never too late. It's never too late to figure out who are the real influencers? And it's not necessarily title and it's not necessarily level. There are certain people in the organization, in any organization, who for whatever reason get things done, influence the the people in the exec seats to do things. So, you know, who has authority but doesn't exercise it? You know, finding out who's respected. Who are the champions in the organization and aligning yourself with them? I mean, every organization has some great leaders. And even if it's not your direct supervisor, there's nothing to say that you can't build relationships with these individuals. So as we're talking, Rex, about figuring out the politics, I mean, what are some other things people can do, whether it's in their first 90 days or in the interview or even if it, these 90 days have gone by, if they're finding themselves in, in the the office politics whirlwind, what are some things people can do to figure this out and and create a space that works better for them? Well, first, I'm just going to piggyback off what you said. It's so so good and so important here. I, because I, for one, was never good at politics of figuring them out. So I asked for a mentor. Mm -hmm. I said, and as a boss, and just like you described, he wasn't in my chain of command, but I had a relationship with him and said, I need help. I'm blind to these office politics. And then I went and, and found a colleague, and I said, I need you to interpret our collective boss for me because I don't speak the same language as the boss. And so I need, I need you to guide me so I don't keep making these dumb mistakes, you know, irritating the boss or crossing a line that I didn't know existed. And I, I needed help from other people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So aligning with those people in the organization who, again, regardless of titles, seem to be at the table, seem to be the ones that are respected, seem to be the ones who are the influencers, kind of the ones who can get their suggestions implemented, maybe the ones who are the first to know. Those are the best people to align with is, you know, who's the person who's always the first to know what's happening in the organization and who's getting promoted and who's getting fired and what the new initiatives are. I mean, that's a that's a great person to have in your network. But I think um, as we as we wrap up, Rex, I think one of the most important things that you said is that it's never too late and these things need to be addressed openly because more often than not, we kind of tuck them in the back and figure we can't do anything about it or our boss is just our boss and that's just the way he or she is when I really believe we as employees have more power than that. 
we we have to at least make the attempt to clarify what we we all recognize should be clarified. Our job descriptions are a good place to start that. Mm-hmm. Do, would you recommend somebody who's maybe been in a job a couple of years going back to their job description, at, you know, and saying? You know, I I just want to revisit this because I you know I've, I'm looking to get promoted in the next year and I want to make sure I'm doing everything and you know objectifying those subjective terms in that document. That's such a good idea, and you can team with your boss. Say, hey, boss, I want to update the job description. Um, will you work with me on it? Let me let me do the first draft and then get your input on it. Mm-hmm. So create a straw man. And, and you don't have to wait till your performance review. You don't have to wait. If you're not regularly meeting with your boss, even if it's for a 20-minute touch base every other week, maybe you're a remote employee like um, our caller earlier, Shana, or, or, you know, and you just, this is something I think you can initiate and should initiate. So you can give them a quick status report every two weeks. Here are the concrete things that I've done, you know, and, and obviously align those with what you're being evaluated on. Um, you know, so I think you need to go out there and be proactive about this because your other option, as you mentioned earlier, Rex, is to simply leave, which, you know, a lot of times isn't isn't a great option because you're going to find this in other organizations more, more than more often than not. Or you can address it. You can address it respectfully and you can address it head on so that you start to get what you want. Rex, this has been a fabulous show. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, where can listeners reach you to get more information? I appreciate that. Um, well, my book's available on Amazon.com. Our website is MagerConsortium.com. I'll spell that just because it's not a typical spelling. M-A-G-E-R in consortium, C-O-N-S-O-R-T-I-U-M, MagerConsortium.com. And phone numbers on there, of course, email um, et cetera, and the book's available on there also. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. And I love being part of the dream team today. <laughs> well, we loved having you, Rex, and that book again is What If Common Sense Was Common Practice in Business? So we want to thank Rex Connor for joining our show. Of course, the dream team, Michelle and Dion, who make this hour so fun, and all of our listeners and callers. This show is all about you each week, and we enjoy doing it. So, hey, if you like more great information delivered right to your inbox, you can follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. This has been a really fun show. We're on Career Talk every Thursday live at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, replayed five times throughout the week, which you can find on Twitter. We enjoy being with you here every week, and we will see you next time. You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. <laughs>